0: Welcome to Successful Life Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Barrier, and today, folks, we've got Billy Stevens with us. What's up, Billy? Hey, not much. How are you? Good, my man. So, Billy, you had quite a career. How did you start out in the trade, just out of curiosity? Let's hear- well, growing up, my dad
1: was had a plumbing company, a very small plumbing company. And I used to learn how to dig ditches, and that's all I ever really did for him, and I knew I didn't want to do that for a living. And I wanted to be the home builder guy, and so I went to work for a home builder to learn how to build houses. And while I was learning how to build houses, my plumber passed away that we were using, and I couldn't find another plumber. I went around looking for other plumber in the company that was... The company was still going. Uh, but the guys that were running it, or the wife, she was running it, they raised their prices for whatever reason, like astronomically, like 20 or 25 percent, and was taking you know two to three weeks longer to get to us. And so I just basically fired them and went to find another plumber and couldn't. And a couple of weeks went by and I went back to them and apologized for my outburst. <laughs> and and asked them if they could still come on that date that they gave me three weeks ago or two weeks ago. And they said, no, it's three weeks from today. And I'm like, oh, so what's going on here? That was my question. Well, tell me a little bit more about what's going on here. How busy are you guys? And they're like, we're so busy we don't even we can't even think about keeping up. So we raised our prices an extremely large amount just to slow it down. And it didn't slow down at all. And I'm like. Hmm, you think she would sell this thing to me and didn't have a dime? I'm asking to buy something with zero money in my pocket. (laughs) And uh, thankfully, she knew that her limitations, that probably wasn't a good idea. She kept it. So she was willing to finance it, uh, part of it. And I had to get a bank loan, which required my father-in-law's signature. And then needed to borrow some money from my father-in-law. So I had three things going against me from the very beginning. I had to ask my father-in-law for a loan. And then once I got him to say yes to that, when I went to go sign the paper on the uh, business, they, told me, they asked me where my father-in-law was. And I'm like, I don't know. I guess he's at work. And I'm like, why? What do you need him for? And they're like, well. Oh. We're not gonna loan this money to you. You don't have anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I bet you, and you had no idea, right? You know, you walked right into a fire, didn't you?
1: I did, and so I was like, "Oh man, I guess this deal's done." And I, so I called my father-in-law and I said. Unfortunately, I have some bad news. They want you to sign on the note, and I'm not going to ask you to do that. I mean, we already made our agreement. You said you'd loan me the money. I'll return the money to you. This, you know, I'll bring it over there to you now and return it to you, and uh, I'll let the owner know that we're not going to do the deal. And he goes, no, no, wait a minute. How much are you borrowing? Tell me more about that. And he said, all right. He goes, you know what? I'll come over and sign it. I'm like, whoa, really? And he goes, yeah, I'll do it. So. He signed it, and I took off, got going, and three weeks later, we were actually able to give him his $10,000 back, and I gave him $500 in interest and bought his dinner for the first time. <laughs> um, and and then we uh, paid that loan off in the first year because I did not want him to feel burdened or anything. I wanted us to still be family. I didn't want to do anything to mess that up our relationship because he was a great mentor to me all these years and so we got that loan paid off and got him off of that note as fast as possible and at the time it was a new construction plumbing company because that's what I was doing so that's what they did and we decided that it was easier when we had a we had one broken down repair truck and our van and They brought in money every day. It wasn't much. I think we were like $40 an hour plus time and material, like 40 bucks an hour. Something crazy. And but they were bringing in checks and I had to wait for the builders to pay. And I'm like, I can make this if I have money every day, a little cash flow and I can make this work. But, you know, I just I struggle to make payroll waiting till the last minute to get these checks from these builders. So it didn't take me long to, to figure out that I needed to uh, to go to the service route. And when we did, and I closed down or sold off that, actually, I sold off the new construction part and used that money to build Berkey's plumbing and air conditioning and 100x that company over the next decade. And in 2000, I met some guys the uh, west coast that were from silicon valley area or san francisco that area and they were asking about investing in these companies and what were the pitfalls and all these things and i said well let me just tell you everything that i know and um, i'll show you my financials I'm not, i don't really care i'll let you see what we're doing i said we're trying to get better i started making all these excuses we're gonna we're trying to get better and you know we're gonna do the best we can I just, always pushing it for perfection and i'm an ocd kind of guy and, and uh, they looked at the financials and man billy we've seen we have bought almost a hundred companies we've seen hundreds of companies in our careers and we've never seen one make this much money of any type of industry and i'm like oh so that means we're doing good and they're like yeah you're doing like better than a convenience store. And that's the ultimate right. money maker. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't think I was doing that well. I wanted to keep doing better. And so they, uh, we talked and then we formed a, a company called Berkey's Holdings and started buying plumbing and HVAC companies off of EBITDA. We're the first company to ever do that, to actually use EBITDA as the formula to buy a company. And, and we bought a A couple of companies um, using this method and then that company um eventually turned into the wrench group and they've been and it's been fantastic and now we have i like to joke that there's more pe firms out there than there are companies to buy now so um, and that's really how this all got started so i was at the very i was at the ground floor of this whole revolution that we're going through now and i'm very excited about what's happened in our industry over the last 10, 12 years since I got, got involved in this, in this, on that side of the business. And so after a while, I took some time off. I took about a five or six, almost six year vacation. And um, I didn't really want to buy another company or build another company like Berkey's. I really wanted to, um, you know, I really wanted to not really do that again. I already built the best company. I didn't really want to do that again. I, I was really intrigued by what Uber was doing. And I loved the efficiency of what they did with the taxi business, which was a lot easier than doing efficiency in what we do. But, um, and so I wanted to be able to build what we did at Berkey's, put it in software so that I could help all the companies that I, to be like mine, to actually make the kind of numbers that we were making. And, and so that's why Sarah was born, was to do that. But to do that, I had to start another company, and we called it Billy Go. And the name of that company was created by my wife, because during the six years that I was retired, she kept telling me, Billy, go do this. Billy, go do that. Heck, Billy, go to work. <laughs> um, whatever. But so I'm like, I'll just name it that. So
0: That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> it,
1: it, it's a true story, too. I mean, that's exactly what happened. So. We had great marriage till I retired. So let
0: <laughs> so really go. That's hilarious. <laughs> right? so, um, so so I have a question. So the you mentioned the wrench group. Say tell me again that tell me again what you were saying about the wrench group. I think I missed what no, the train
1: is. Berkey's holding this what we started. And then oh. about the time that I was getting ready to leave, they converted it over to they just changed the name to the wrench group. It's basically what they did. Okay, got you. Okay. Yeah, and the name was changed, and then they went on, and did their thing, and I went on and did my thing.
0: All right, that makes sense. All right, that clears yeah, yeah. it up. All right, cool. Yeah. I did not know that. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's you. Know, it's I didn't think much
1: about it all these years until I really started thinking about. You know, we really started a whole new revolution in the trades. Yeah, and oh, and as a byproduct, in a way. it was the birth of a lot of millionaires that are out there in the trades now um, because of of what we did. What has it been? Almost 12 years now uh, when we put this together. And so uh, the trades have come a long ways. I mean, back then, your only options were to sell it to your competitor, maybe for nothing, give it to your kids or close it down. I mean, that was really your only options. The roll up thing was a total disaster. That didn't work. And and then whatever else came before that, that, you know, those things just didn't stick. But this model stuck because these guys came in with the idea that we're going to provide the cash that is needed to grow these companies. And so and give these owners an exit that is unheard of. In this day and age for our industry back then. And, And so it's just multiplied itself over and over and over again. And so a lot of, a lot of people have been able to exit the trades, retire, um, have become millionaires. I mean, a lot of that's happened from that fateful meeting one day that I had and I said yes to, I, yeah, I like this idea. I'll try it. And so, yeah, a couple of years, I, that's what I did.
0: It's really cool. That's gotta be a good, good feeling.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm very proud of those two guys, though. I mean, they were the brainchilds behind it. They were the ones that figured it out. And once they saw that a company could do it, then that's where I came in. And then it took off from there. And so that's really uh, the most exciting part about it. Or how I feel good about it because, you know, we didn't have a game. We didn't know if it would work. We thought it would they tried buying other companies with the same formula and got nowhere with it uh, a lot of companies uh, even larger than berkey's was at that time and those guys all said no i i saw it and i said yeah i'll do that i think we could do well doing this and, and all those guys are been bought out since right they said no the first time and probably better for them because they probably got higher multiples as because they waited or whatever but it is what it is but I just didn't feel like I was done in the trades. And so that that's what was eating me on a day-to-day basis is I would literally, I stayed busy. I had things to do. I mean, we're, we were still in the, uh, the, uh, the fallout from the uh, loan crisis, right? And so you could buy real estate for pennies on the dollar. And so I did a lot of that. And the problem with that was, I mean, there's really no negative to it, but the only negative for me was, it didn't challenge me, right? You go and you do a deal, they get, they have tenants, you see the cash flow, you see what you're going to pay for it, you buy it, and then that's all you did. And then now you owned it. It didn't challenge me like the trades do. The trades have so many moving pieces on a day-to-day basis. And our companies are, the way we've been running these companies for the last 100 years or whatever, hasn't really improved. You know, we've gotten software over the last few, in the last decade, everybody started uh, using software. Kudos to those first group of software companies that came in um, and got people on software, really good software. I mean, we had success where, if you will, but since then we've had more cloud based software come out and now people are using software. And so that, that's running its course. And now the next revolution are of software is coming out, like Sarah, like Blue on I mean, we're forward-thinking software companies. And so what you know today is software is not what we're building. We're building software that's actually smart, that actually can help you run a business, that actually can improve your numbers and not just be a digital filing cabinet, right? And so that is the next stage of software development as it continues, it never stops, right? And so we consider ourselves as it's next generation of computing or the trades uh, with Sarah and um, and a couple others that are out there. Like uh, like I said, Luan's a pretty good example. I think SmartAC is doing a really good job as well. Um, of the next level of how can we really run these companies efficiency with efficiency and with uh, the information we need to really make a difference. So people can make a lot of money being bought out with low EBITDA numbers, and the EBITDA numbers are extremely low. They're nowhere near the EBITDA numbers I was getting in the 90s and definitely nowhere near the EBITDA numbers that I'm getting today with Billy Go and with our customers. And so we we really focus on that. And so you can can have a company that's doing a million dollars in EBITDA today and 18 months later on a software like ours, you're doing three million in EBITDA or went from three to five and that's life changing. Now we're talking about you know, instead of getting 5 million, 6 million, $8, $9, 10 million dollars, we're talking about in a matter of 18 months you're looking at 20, 25 million that you could get for your company, The same company just 18 months later. And because you reached the level of EBITDA that actually could pay a higher multiple. And so that's what we really help people do is get these companies more profitable.
0: This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by Housecall Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, Housecall Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. So, in- Is that, is it safe to, is it safe to assume maybe you're using probably some sort of, a lot of automation, maybe some AI to, so that's where I want, that was was great, thank you. But I want you to talk a little bit about how everything you just said ties into, you know, automating AI and how you're using that to, let's just say, forward think or start the next revolution, if you will. Absolutely. Well. Well, first and
1: foremost, let's just take a, a life of a, of a technician. Um, and so today, a technician goes out, a lot of companies use a technician, and then they'll flip to a comfort advisor, and then they'll, the comfort advisor will uh, flip over to install team, all right, when he sells it. And so the way it works now is the uh, technician goes out to the job, he realizes that there's a potential well, win here to get a salesperson out. And so what he would do at this point is he would take his software or his phone or whatever. He would call the office or email the office or text the office or do all three, depending on their processes. Right. <laughs> and then that person will receive that person or several people will receive that communication and then they got to find out when that salesperson's available. So then they got to go and call the customer and and figure out when that customer is available to have the salesperson out there because they want to have. And so you've got all this back and forth communication, right? Time is going by. And as people think about things, they start thinking about multiple bids from different companies. Or maybe I'm just going to change my mind altogether because I talked to my neighbor across the street and she's got a brother-in-law that can come fix it. Right. That's Right. And so so we're all scrambling around trying to get this salesperson out there. And then let's say all that happens, you get him out there and he's fortunate enough to close the deal. And now he. Is sending out all these communications, trying to find out if they can get the equipment, if when the install crew is available, when it can be pinned. And then how many people is he interrupting their day? Uh, Dispatch coordinator, maybe the dispatcher, maybe whoever, the department manager, however, however many people they're disrupting their day so they can figure out when to get the thing installed. Right. Right. And even if this is a company that says they can install it in the same day, all that stuff's still happening. All this running around with your hair on fire, trying to get this thing installed because you want that revenue. So to me, that's just nonsense. It's a lot all of that nonsense. is. It's oh. just a lot of nonsense. And, and so in our situation at Sarah, it's the completely different way of looking at it. You, you send a technician out there. He realizes the same situation. Now he's not trying to communicate with multiple people at the office in three or four different ways. He can actually see the salesperson's availability while he's standing right in front of the customer. He knows the entire, if you got five salespeople, it doesn't matter. He can see all of their schedules and their availability so that he can pick a time right in front of the customer for them to come. And he might see, oh, I've got Jim Bob. Actually, down the road, he could be here in an hour or this evening when your husband's home or whatever. And she goes, yeah, that's a great idea. Click it. It's booked. No one got interrupted at the office. All right. Technician leaves, goes to his next call. He's good to go. Salesman comes, does his thing, customer buys it. Same thing. When you want it installed, Miss Jones, here's my availability right there in front of her knows everyone's schedule as far as the install teams picks it up picks it out she says you know what i want to do it next thursday that's when i'm home or i want to do it whenever no one gets disturbed in elvis we just created all this uh, efficiency allowed all these other people that we were getting involved into this one service call one service call all these people and all these Forms of information being sent all over the place. All that's been eliminated. There's no reason for that because Sarah knows where everybody's at all the time and what their availability is, what their capabilities are. So you can schedule whatever you want. And so another thing that's come from this is now we can actually dive in on job time efficiency because If you talk to any HVAC contractor out there and you ask them, how long does it take? How many hours do you set with your flat rate pricing model? How many hours do you set to put in a complete system? The universal answer is eight hours. Okay. Right. So let's back into that. So we all talk about KPIs. We get coached to get these KPIs, but we're coaching the wrong stuff on the wrong information.
0: Yeah. How do they come to that eight hours? Let me ask you that. Well, it's because it's one day. It's a simple answer.
1: It's one day. Oh. One day, <laughs> and, and the other thing is with flat rate pricing, four or five hundred dollars an hour flat rate pricing. You can't put exactly how many hours it really takes because then you would price yourself out of the out of the game. So, oh. so to so where the flat rate pricing breaks down, I don't want to get into all that because I'll start confusing people. But Where flat rate pricing breaks down is it doesn't allow you to put the actual time that it takes. Well, let's back up and go back to the tech and let's count the hours that it takes to put in an install. Technician goes out there for a no cooling or whatever it is. He realizes that this system's 12 years old, 15 years old, whatever, and he needs to get a comfort consultant on there. Well, by the time he's driven out there, by the time he does his diagnosis, And by the time he's ready to find out if there's a salesperson already, he spent two hours there driving all the stuff that it's to do it. So two hours of his day has been used up for this job. And we haven't sold anything. All he's doing now, he's flipping it to someone. So he's relieving himself of that job. But the company has paid this man for two hours. Right. Right. And the wear and tear on the truck. All that stuff's already been job costed. And there's no job, really. (laughs) Nothing yet.
0: And he's built the rapport with the customer, by the way.
1: He has. All right. He's doing all these things. But the thing about it is there's no money been put in the pocket of the company yet. Right. Right. And the customer can say no to the salesperson. And then now you've got him out there. And nothing's happened. Right. So. So he spent two hours. He schedules the comfort advisor. He comes out. And let's just say he spends two hours doing his dog and pony show. Sure. And the customer says Yes. So we're four hours into this job that you've allowed eight hours for. We're four hours in. Then schedule and not counting all the other people's time that they right. interrupt their day trying to get this information, right? right? That time that they're costing you. So then the, in, the install team shows up. Well, guess what? It's two of them. Lead installer and a helper, right? Right. Two of those guys. We've only got four hours left out of that eight hours that you have in your process of building this an install for a new air conditioner. And you have two guys. So technically speaking, two guys need to get it done in two hours. Right. So that we're at that eight hours total. Right. Which is impossible. Impossible. Can't happen. Right. Can't happen. It still takes all day. So at Sarah, we understand time. And we understand that there's a job and there's an appointment within a job and which is the salesperson coming out. And another appointment is the installers coming out. Right. And so we can put all of this information into that one job on that, that ability to compute this way. And so you got two guys out there all day, my world, that's 16 hours worth of pay Yep. because two times eight, 16. Plus we use two more for the salesman and another two for the, service tech now we're at 20 hours and so sarah understands that on the average this company takes 20 hours to actually put this job in because of all the other people that have touched it that have gone to this house to set up the process of getting it installed and no one's booking that pay and that's why when you go to your financial statements and you got your price book all figured out you got it all fancy and You got the latest and greatest price book and you set your margins that you're going to make a 60% gross margin. And then you get your financial statements at the end of the month and it's a 45 or 48. You're like, why does it never match? Well, because you're using fractional information. Right. You can never get it right using eight when it's 20. That's right. (laughs) Right. And you can never get it right when you're using $500 an hour on flat rate. When you don't even know what your labor costs are, that's right. And that five hundred dollars per hour, right? They don't even know what their labor cost is. And so, Sarah figures out how to charge for everyone's time that touches that job. Every minute, we we do it by the minute. We don't do it by the hour. We do it. We're so accurate, we can do it by the minute. And so, we can tell how many minutes it takes from the time. That guy left wherever he was to get to that customer's house, talk to her, flip it to a salesperson, him drive there, him do his thing, him, he sells it, sends it to the installers, all their drive time, both of their drive time, two people in one truck, keeps up with all that time. And you can have job costing like you never had before. You don't need spreadsheets. You don't need anything. All of this information is live. And so you know, by the minute, how you're doing?
0: So, all right. So, let me ask you this: Do they have to? Is do they have to turn something on when they get in the truck, or how does it? Something automatic with their phone? How does it know? Is it tied into Google Maps? Is that how it works? Or
1: yes, how- sir. So, yeah. And so, so basically, when the guy accepts the job, that's when the clock starts running. Okay. So from the time that he accepts it, he gets his new job. He accepts it. From that point on, it's tracking him from wherever he is to wherever it takes him to get to that house. All right. Once he arrives there, it geo, you know, it's geofenced, right? And we actually have a, an additional button push that says "I've arrived." All right. Even if he doesn't Otherwise, hit that, Sarah, even if he doesn't keep up, even if he doesn't hit that button, Sarah knows and will keep, still keep up with it.
0: Like a trigger gets set off, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. That's just a notification, really, telling her I'm outside. I'm about to knock on your door. Don't be surprised.
0: Right, right. It, but it, it's dual it's purposes, purposes, right? It works. Yes, yeah, sir. That, That's awesome. I love that. All yeah.
1: right, And so, so, we figured out exactly that on the ability go downstairs, and with a lot of our customers, we we can take this data and we can compare, and. We're running around 20 and a half hours, I think, is where we are now because we've done so much data on this that we've got it down to the half hour now. So it's 20 and a half hours is actually what we put aside for an install. So now we can charge our for these jobs by that amount of time. And so therefore, we're trying to reach 100 percent efficiency. And if I can reach 100 percent efficiency at a 60 percent gross margin my margin is going to be 60 when I get my financial statements That's right. or, or closer or better, right? If you do better, it's better. If you do slightly less, it's less of all the jobs combined for the entire month. And so we can keep up with all the jobs combined for the entire month, but it also lets you know, look, this particular task in your book, you're notoriously late or it's long. It's taking you longer. You need to correct this so that you can charge for that time to all your customers. And what do we, found by doing this this is the greatest part you don't have to run on a 60 percent gross margin any longer you can actually start selling your equipment on a 50 52 53 at a much lower price because now you're charging for all of your time and you actually know what that time is and now you're more competitive and the funny thing is if you hit that percent efficiency at a 52 You're going to make way more money than you ever did when you were trying to do it at a 60 and not even knowing what your efficiency was. And that's how Billigo has grown up. And that's how our customers have continued to grow their businesses because they're not the highest game in town anymore. They're they're cost effective and they're very profitable. Let's talk about profitability for a second. So we strive for 20 plus percent EBITDA for every Sarah customer. Have Sarah customers. As high as 29%, he bit them for a year, not for a little short period of time. We're not talking about summer numbers here. We're talking about the company all 12 months. Right. And, and so in Billy Go's case, we did three, uh, $11.3 million in 2022, but we made 26.1%, which is almost $3 million, just $11 million in revenue. And anybody takes that number and multiply that number by whatever your revenue is, you're going to be shocked at the how big of a number that is for your company compared to what you're actually seeing right now. And what I always tell people that they really need to understand is all that money that we're showing as profitability on the Sarah customers is actually in your company. You're just wasting it all, and it's not getting to the bottom line. It's already there. You just need us to help you. Fine-tune things so it goes to the bottom. We're not yeah. trying to re—we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're just trying to reinvent where the water, where the money goes. Right. Instead of going in all the wasted time and wasted effort, and everyone's hair on fire situation, let's organize this company. Know exactly what we're doing every day, all the time, and then that money starts flowing to the bottom where it be.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah, that makes, that makes complete sense. I love that. And you're right. You plug holes that people just don't realize are there, right? You just, and they're not, it's not knocking anybody. They're not supposed to know where these holes are that you plug, right? You're supposed to Never had them. a way to measure them. Right, right. Of course. So how are you guys using, how are you using automation right now with, with in terms of, are you using anything other than what? You were telling me earlier about, are you using anything new with automation? So so what we have is we have a, so
1: let me describe how Sarah's built, and then I think it'll make sense how automation comes in and works. Okay. Which makes our, explain basically why our software is completely different and, and why this works and why it won't work on your current software because it was never architected for this type of work. Flow right where the actual computer is doing the work. Right, and today's software just you put all the inputs in. Right, good bad, good bad or indifferent. Right? right, it doesn't help you fix any of them. Right, or tell you where you messed up. Right, and so that's that's one thing that we do. And so it starts from the very beginning. So if you have a customer, whether they, you know they book online, which most customers want to do these days. I mean, Angie's List and House. What is it called? The Some, other one that's uh, home service, home. any of those. Yeah. yeah, Angie's List, whatever they're called. I don't use them, so I don't really, I don't remember their names. So. <laughs> well, none of them have call takers. These are billion-dollar companies that don't answer the phone. Right. And we're still trying to answer the phone in our trades. And then we're yeah. like, what are you doing? Right? We, They want control. They want to answer the phone.
0: That's the way we've well, always done that, it.
1: I know. It's the way we've always done it. <laughs> well, there's your first problem. Yep. The way we've always done it. Well, people are changing. Consumers are changing. They're getting smarter. And they're gonna they're gonna go the least the least path of resistance. Because that's the world we're in now. Instant gratification. A
0: thousand percent.
1: And over sixty percent of the country would prefer not to talk to you at all. You just waiting. And there's still people that do, you know. That's fine. You're going to still get those people, and you're going to get some people that don't know you have online booking. You're going to get, they're going to call. But if you do your job right, they're going to start learning about online booking. Now, why is ours different? Ours is not where you fill out a form online and then it sends you an email and tells you that you got a new customer, and then you call the customer and tell them really when you can maybe get there, not the time that you told them on the website. Right. Right, to get them the book. Right. You're still doing all the work manually, right? Our software is the opposite of that. It actually knows the availability and knows the qualifications of every tech. And so if a customer wants a tune-up, it's going to go to a tune-up tech, and it's going to know the availability. It's going to know who's the closest, who can get there whenever. If it's a no cooling, it's going to know who to send to that. It's going to send the best tech to the best job. That's it. That's what our online booking system does that no other booking system does. We do that, but here's where we definitely separate ourselves from everyone else. All of this online booking, all of the customer transactions are done in a customer portal, but that customer portal lives on the contractor's website. Hmm. The average time spent on a customer, on a contractor's website is around 38 seconds, I believe. The average time spent on a Sarah contractor's website is almost four minutes. Dang, dude. Okay. And Google loves that. Right. Love it. And it gives transparency. It gives trust to Google because these customers are spending more time on your website. They can see what they're doing on your website. They're booking calls all the way through five-star review. We're, So, we're providing you with transparency. We're making Google happy because Google's job is to do one thing, and that is to make their customer that's searching for something happy. And if you give them the information they need, they're going to choose you as the happy place Google is. And they're going to show your ads more because you make customers happy, right? And so, all the transactions live on the customer portal. So, all their invoices, photos, documents, warranties, Anything they've ever needed in the entire history of their home is going to be on their customer portal when we move you over to Sarah. And therefore, they will go, instead of sending them emails and stuff, you send them an email with a magic link. They click on the magic link and it opens up customer portal on your website. And this is how we get them, the customers spend more time. And therefore, this is how our companies start growing rather quickly quicker than before and how their budget for spending on Google and all this stuff goes down because they're doing a better job of being seen. Right. All right. So that's one third of Sarah. Then that information talking over to the admin, letting them know, figuring out what's already on the board, but it's also talking to the tech app because it needs to know where this guy is. All right. So Jim Bob is in 10 miles away from this call. He, he actually qualifies for this type of a call. And that uh, Joe Bob, 20 miles away, might be better to send Jim Bob because he's closer and he's available at around the same time. And so the interface at the office, as these guys do uh, sell work and once they get quote signed by the customer on if they want to do work, all that time expands out. You don't have to do it manually. Everything's automated. So there's no more wasted time in the office. So if they sell four hours of work, it spans out by four hours. It bumps into a job that may have been pre-assigned to them. And then it will now bump it to someone that can get there in the time that they they were wanting someone to be there. Because that guy sold a big work. So you never have to call around and go, when are you going to be available? I've got customers, so we got to do all this work. How much longer are you going to be? How much longer are you going to be? Right? To all the techs every day. We don't have to do that anymore. We know how much longer they're going to be because when we go back to job time efficiency, it's already figured out about how long they're going to be based off of what they've sold. And so that's why we give our price book away for free because a lot of that knowledge is in that price book. You, there's no price book like that. It is actually part of the automation that we're talking about here. And without it, it won't, you've got to have it because it can start thinking about time spent all these things that we talked about so this is how you come full circle around with Sarah and why Sarah is the next generation of computing like we were talking about earlier because it does a lot of this stuff and so just another tidbit is we only have four four ladies in the office running 11.3 million dollar business a bill ago we we did our budgets for 2023 and we think we're going to grow to 16, 17 million this year. And in our budget meetings, we asked the staff how many people we need to bring in to grow to 17 million. And the answer was none. They said, I think we got it. We don't feel like we need to bring anyone else in. And so our goal is to run a $17 million company with four ladies in office and two department managers and an inside sales guy. Seven people run this whole company, um, and close to 17 million, I would imagine, this year. The way it's come out of the gate in January and February, we might be closer to 20 million. But, And we didn't have to add anyone to our company. These are the same four people that have been here since we were a $3 million company four years ago. But we just completed our fourth year in business. And our clients, our, the contractors, are experiencing the same thing. <clears throat> that the work is getting so efficient that they can grow their business with their current staff, just like we did. And continue to grow. And we're just going to see how far we can go until they cry uncle. And then we'll do something about it. But they said, well, right now, we don't feel like that's an issue. But we'll see. We'll see what happens in the summer. So.
0: <laughs> so, Billy, one of the things that, you know, as far as like Pricing, and don't have to give this uh, call it any names, but I know, and I don't know, I don't actually know exactly what the pricing structure is, but I do know it is significantly cheaper than some of the other people that are in your space. Why is that? How are you able to do it? How are you able to do this? I guess because you've got four people that have built the company, right? They've been with you. Yeah, like,
1: well, so, are we, and Billy go, yes, that's the case, right? We don't have we're very efficient out in the field and we're very efficient in the office. So we can sell things at a, a more reasonable price. The only levers most people have is just keep raising prices as they keep getting price increases, right? Right. Well, we are so efficient that we can offset those price increases through efficiency and keep our price the same. Just keep getting better and better and, better and still make more money, even though we're keeping the price the same because we focus on the thing that costs the most. Think about it. You know, an HVAC company by itself, I mean, the overall cost of material is 15%. By the time you factor in equipment and parts, maybe 15%. That right? But labor is, when you figure the tech and the office, is 40%. Which one you want to focus on? You want to focus on being more efficient and getting more dollars with the people you have and lowering that 40 percent to 30. Right. Right. Because you're growing the company with the same amount of. That's the one you want to focus on. You want to continue. That's how you make big strides in your business. That's how we put so much money to the bottom line so quickly to these companies, because we make them efficient and use their talent. In different ways, because you've got a lot of smart people that work in the trades, that work in these offices. Let's use them for stuff other than putting fires out. Right. Let's use them for helping build the company. And so at Sarah, we like to say, we've heard for years now from all the trainers and stuff, Mr. Owner, you need to start working on your business, not in it. Well, at Sarah, we feel like, why don't we just get everyone to work on it and no one to work in it? And together, we create a better business. We get people get raises, we get competitive wages. They can make more money working at the company because of the efficiency. So everybody gets higher wages. Um, it's it's it all brings up the whole platform of these companies. And that's really what we're here to do. And then on the Sarah side of it, because that's a billy go way of doing it. And Then on the Sarah side of it, when it, you we talked about us not being as expensive as some of our competitors as well, because we're a forward thinking company and we figured out how to make money without charging the contractor for everything. That's why we can give away the most incredible price book that's ever been built, ever give it away because we can make money from, you know, vendors, partners, all these other people and not charge the customers our clients are the contractors, big big dollars for this and that over here and this over there. We just got one price. That's it. And we get the rest of our money elsewhere.
0: So I want you to I was actually I was going to ask you about cold, but I want, to, I want to actually ask you about something that you just said. So you just mentioned partners and I have strategic partners. I think partnerships are That's the only way that you're ever going to grow outside of. It's the only way you can really grow is through partnerships. So tell me a little bit about how you're kind of how you see partnerships in the uh, in the respect of how you just mentioned. All right. I bring partner in. Therefore, I don't have to raise my customer's price. Can you go into a little bit more detail on that one?
1: So so what we do, at Sarah, is we've created through automation. Right. And we make it easier for these companies to do business with their partners, with, you know, their suppliers, their OEMs, their parts people, their credit card companies. We make it their finance companies. We make all this. We, instead of trying to keep all the money for ourselves, we try to keep passing these savings down to our customers, which is the contractor. And, and so we make their job easier. Say, for instance, we just disrupted the entire extended warranty, home warranty space. We can now manage all that on Sarah instead of doing, you know, they, those guys are literally still on pen and paper. I mean, just basically one step above it, that entire industry of extended warranties was just you know, so run 1990s way. Everything's get, the contractor has to sell the warranty and then he's got to he's got to have dedicated people to manage this warranty side of the business. And they got to take that information of what they sold, collect the model and serial numbers, do all of these things in the office or out in the field and then in the office. And then they've got to send the money to the warranty company for the warranty that they just sold. And then it gets even more complicated because two years later, they have an issue, a warranty situation. Now they've got to go out and they got to, Do all the paperwork to make a claim and do all of these things that it costs overhead cost to the contractor to manage all this warranty stuff. Yeah, the contractor's getting paid a fee to go out and fix it, the parts being paid for, but they don't really, but there's so much back office work that is it really profitable? No. So, not really. So, we just decided to build that. Why don't we just automate it? And so that's what we did. And so now, in Sarah, you can you know, buy warranties, you can transfer the money. It's all batched up, goes, you know whose it is. It's on the customer's portal. The customer knows that their stuff's under warranty. She can call you three years from now. When you take a call from a customer three years from now, you're thinking you're, t- and you're t- getting a no cooling call on the system you put in three years ago no one's paying attention on whether or not that's the warranty or not. You probably don't even find out until you get out there. Right. That's the problem, right? And you just sent a high value tech out there because this is a customer on your agreement that you get priority to and come to find out that it's a warranty part that needs to be replaced. It could have been done probably by, A tech that's not so highly skilled at flipping or whatever that you need out there flipping for jobs, right? Well, now you know all this stuff before you even go, and the customer will know as well because all that's on their portal. And so we just, again, I always go back to hair on fire. We're just getting rid of, we're just putting all the fires out. It's what we're doing. And so again, that's a whole other segment of these businesses. And then the people that don't use warranty companies and do the self warranty stuff, I don't even know what to tell those folks. First and foremost, this is what I will tell you if you are doing warranties in house. You are devaluing your company by the exact number that you sold that air conditioner for. <clears throat> so if you want to sell your company one day and you sell a system for 10 grand and you have got a lifetime warranty or a 10 year warranty on that thing in-house, they're gonna that's a liability. That's not a, a that's yeah. not something you can add back. That's a liability. And yeah, it has be has a liability.
0: Right, method liability. Yeah, because they take into that into account. It's not like you get to sell the business and pass on that lifetime warranty and not have to pay for that life that warranty. Right, that's right.
1: The buyer's got to pay for it, right? And so the buyer's going to discount your price because of all these warranties that you're doing in house. Right, and so you're you're basically thinking, well, I just made five hundred extra dollars because I sold them a warranty on this job or $1,000 whatever you're charging right Well, you did you just cost yourself $10,000 in value. So what do you want? Yeah. You want the 1,000 or do you want the 10,000 times a multiplier. That's a big swing. Huge swing. And, and that's another reason that motivated us to build this is again we are helping these companies understand how to maximize the value, whether they want to sell or not, doesn't matter to us. We're gonna help them build the most profitable company they could ever imagine and let them decide what they want to do. But at least if we're gonna go and take all this risk and all these hours and wear and tear on our bodies as owners and mentally and age ourselves, shouldn't we be like be really well paid for that? I mean I think so and so let's get rid of the stuff that causes you not to get wealthy whether you or not let's just have let's just get wealthy keeping the company as much as we would or more if we sold it. yeah and that's what we help you do at Sarah and what and the thing is is I've done it so I know how to do it and I can build companies really fast and I can build them extremely profitable while I'm building them which is the hardest thing there is to do. And it's really hard to do is to be profitable while you're building a company because it costs money to grow, right? So we can figure, we can show you how to do both at
0: especially, the same time. Especially software is astronomically yeah. expensive to build. Yeah. People oh. don't really realize. People don't really realize. They don't. Realize. They don't. Wow. And,
1: I mean, not to throw numbers out there. I mean just putting a button can cost fifty thousand dollars. Right. Oh, if you just have a button right here that button's about 50 grand in right. dev time. Whew. Yeah that's why software you know everybody hates soft, hates their software it's helped them but they hate it right of course there's a reason why because it's so hard to build it, and people get impatient, and they, don't, they just don't understand. It's not like I could go down to Billigo and make it tomorrow morning and go, I want this to happen. And by the end of the day, it's happening throughout Billigo. Sure. I do that here. It's six months from now. Same little bitty thing. It's, it's just a totally different thing. And that's what we try to explain to people. And that's why I feel like we have a huge advantage because I knew from the very first line of code what I needed to build. That's important. because it saves us lots of time. Saves us lots of time. And then you build on it for three and a half years before you even show it to anybody. And then you give it to some people and let them use it and let them tell you what you did, help you tell you what you didn't get it quite right. And then you go to fixing all of that at the same time improving the software, which doubles down on how long it takes. But you can't get better unless you let people use it. So you get your early adopters and they put up with all the pain. But what a lot of software companies get it wrong is they forget about the customer and only think about their revenue. And then nothing gets built. They don't ever fix what's really wrong with the core product. They just keep adding stuff so they can get more money in the door and that's what happens and that's not what we do we're here to build the best product hang in there we're we're making the most amazing product and already just what we've talked about
0: today is years beyond what's out there today so this has been a fascinating conversation and the ai thing is interesting because I don't know how much you've hit a chat GPT. My guess is since you are semi-coder to a degree, it sounds like you probably played around with it a little bit. What are your thoughts on that and what that's going to do moving forward? Well, that's some cool stuff, right? That
1: chat GPTs, stuff like that you're talking about. Um, we have some similar stuff. Obviously, we have machine learning, right? And that, that's a another level of AI that's just come out. Uh, it's scary, if anything, but it's, what the possibilities are in the next 10 years, right? Um, but like I said, we're using this technology to, to improve the life of everyone involved in the trades is what we're using it for. And so it's how you use it. This chat GPT thing. I've tried it out. I, I I asked it to tell me more about different things and it's still got a ways to go. It's, it's new, right? Yeah. It's gonna get better and it's gonna get good fast. Yeah. It's gonna be crazy what it's gonna do in the next three, four, five, ten years. But and I love technology and I'm not a tech technology type person, but I've grown to love it because I see what it can do for myself and for people that we work with now that i'm in the business i never thought i would i joke to my wife i said I'm like i'm a traveling software salesman who would
0: have thunk that <laughs> <laughs> oh that's too funny that is too funny but that's totally <laughs> really true oh
1: i'm like how in the world did i end up here <laughs> well that's i funny. just felt like i just felt like that. i saw a huge need And it's my way of giving back to this industry that's given me way more than I ever imagined that would happen to me, right? Because I had no idea. I had very simple goals when I got into this space. First and foremost was not to fail. Can I even do this? And then once I started getting my legs under me, my next goal was talking about the early 90s here. My next goal was can I make a hundred thousand a year? Right. That was the next goal. So started working towards that. Oh, and that the goals were a lot simpler back then. But a hundred thousand back in the nineties was like a lot of money Yeah. and for a salary of anyone. And, but that was was really my, technically my first big goal. And so I'm a goal setter and I try to accomplish my goals and that's what keeps me moving forward. And I just wanted to, I just feel like Giving back to this industry that's been so you know, so good to us, my family, and um, all the people that worked for us over the years—we've all been blessed tremendously from this industry. And so, yeah, I could have stayed on the couch, could have lived that successful retired life in my in my 40s, <laughs> which did not make sense now. I'm like, what was I thinking back then? could have done that. Or I could spend all my money and hope it works again. <laughs> Here I am.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's you've done something pretty significant. For a guy that ultimately grew up in the trades, working with your hands and helping your, your dad, and then being able to develop this software, I have a little bit different. I have a little bit different appreciation for the software side of it at this point um so but it's interesting that your brain can work both ways does that make sense yes
1: sir yeah well that takes hiring the right people because i'm an analog guy i'm a vinyl record right and they're all digital right Mm -hmm. and it's like herding cats i'll be honest so you have to find a good interpreter I think the newest thing I know we had CDs and then we had MP3, but now there's DACs, DAC systems, DACs, digital analog converters. And that's basically what I call my guy. He's a DAC system. He's a digital, but he's the analog to digital converter. And so I have to find someone that understands what I'm wanting. All right. Right. And then transferring that information to someone that has the computing skills to build it in a way that makes sense right right that's the hard part that is extremely hard and i found this out on my very first meeting said i'm going to build software to help the trades because my very first meeting i'm like i called my wife later on that evening because i had to go to uh, i flew out to meet with these guys and i'm like honey i don't know i said these guys they don't think like i do I'm living in a gray world and they're completely in a black and white world because coding is exactly like this. You do this, right? And I don't, I live in a gray world where, you know, in the trades, every day is different. Right. And that's me. That's who I am. And every day is different. And I don't, and I, so learning that I've, over the last four and a half years that I've been doing this, I've gotten a lot better at it. I understand the cycle. I mean, I spent four of those four and a half years going, why is it taking so long? Of course. And finally, and now I finally understand just the way it is. It moves in glacial time, building this time. But so you gotta you better get it right the first time. Yeah. Right? You can't go you can't go back. Right. That's where everybody else is stuck right now. They can't go back. Now there's new stuff coming in that does a lot more stuff. Well, they can't go back. It kind, of,
0: it kind of feels like 2000, right? Do you remember 1999, 2000? All the banks had to switch all that shit over. And it kind of feels like it's, we're in that kind of phase a little bit.
1: Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're in that phase. I think the second phase of that, we got that first run of software that came in. And they really got us on software, thinking about software. Now we got this new phase coming in and we're taking it to a different level and starting to think about functionality and how to improve these businesses from their core. Yeah. Instead of just giving them something to put info in, we're actually creating another revolution in our, in our industry. We're, I call it a renaissance. We're in another renaissance.
0: Well, as soon as we we get done here, I'm going to tell you about something else that's going to blow your mind about that. But look, this has been such a killer conversation, Billy. I really appreciate this. This has been I've learned so much from you today. And everybody that's going to listen to this, obviously, has learned so much. I do want to be conscious of time. Can you tell everybody where they can find you or where you'd like for them to find you or whatever you'd like to tell them? Absolutely.
1: So you can reach us at www. Sarah, S-E-R-A dot tech, T-E-C-H. You can reach us there or if you want to use a dot com, it's SarahSystems.com. Um, you can reach us at either one of those websites and just go through there. There's lots of videos. There's lots of explanation. You know, there's only so much I can really explain in an hour that we have together. And to learn more about how we think about business and we're not asking for change per se, we're just asking for you to open your mind up to little things that make a big difference in your company and, and using software to help you reinforce that. Because we have all these great training classes, you, know, you go on these trips and you spend the week out at these uh, events or, and you go to these training sessions. And, and those are all really great things and have really moved the industry so much. But you're all excited, and you come back on Monday and you're amped up, and everybody else is still there doing the same thing they were doing while you were gone. And then each day goes by, you get less and less excited, and then you don't implement because you're getting all this resistance. Because, oh, he just, he's got another brain idea, or whatever it is, and your employees are not responding to you because lost control of the asylum in a way and what we do is we're with you every day so that we can help you and help everyone in your company move along throughout for forever and not each time you know these ups and downs of oh he's getting back to the big big event he's gonna be fired up when he gets here i think i'm clean sick <laughs> right you people know take the, like they know yeah. No, <laughs> right? And so, exactly. It's just, uh, here's something that's going to be with you every day. Is going to help everyone every day. And you all get on the same page. And then when you start coming back from those events, and you, you know, have Sarah and everything's working, you can reinforce some more stuff that you learned that Sarah can help you do that maybe you didn't know Sarah did. And that's that's really my final thought here is.
0: Well, I think that's good. I think I just want to say one last thing. You said keep an open mind, and that's true. Don't be so don't be so stuck on whatever it is you think that you need, because lots of times we think we need a lot of things that we may not need, and that could be a candy bar, that could be a cheeseburger, that could be a software, it could be anything. But just reevaluate what it is your is your system working for you. But you got to check, you got to have checks and balances too, right? You can't evaluate. Yes, sir. It. You don't have checks and balances. So um I think it's important to keep an open mind. Yes, sir. Thank and
1: you. there's options for you to feel like there aren't any options out there. We are now here. You have an option. You need
0: to check us out. Perfect. And I'll put the I'll put all the links in the show notes. Okay. Okay. Thank that. you. You got it, brother. All right.
1: Take care, everyone.
0: Thank you, Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast.